Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor this week. And um, we are in our sermon series, Don't Stop Believing, 1 John chapter 2 this week, where we get into some fun topics. For lack of a better word, fun topics. I mean, it's the... Interesting. Interesting, right? Fascinating. It's the first, actually, only time in the Bible that the phrase antichrist is actually used in that phrase, so we get to jump into that in First John 2. Yeah, antichrist, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how you grew up around some of these terms or words. Like, I re- when I think antichrist, I think of church camp. Church camp? Uh-huh. In the... In the early 90s where they showed this um they showed this video what, what video would that have been like a like an end times video oh, it was so a really popular one late 80s it was probably the billy graham films <laughs> it would have been yes it probably would have been it was like a series of like was it like a film like with a film like like the actual like projector they used to roll yeah. into your classroom yeah. but not like a projector that would hook to a yeah a like VCR. an old, old film um and it was like this end of end, end times video of the last days and how it was all going to go down. And people were getting like guillotine, Mark of the Beast. Camp. And it was like, what? Pulling the guillotine out of church camp on video. Oh, it was like, I just remember being so scared. Like, whoa, what is happening? Yeah. Like, what does this mean? And what is Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast? And all of those topics and those phrases were all lumped together in this big pot of end times stew. So and, you had to have gotten well. So IFB, were you guys once saved, always saved, or were you hundred percent? Okay. So Not, it wasn't so much about getting your right, your life right, but was it about being? You're afraid you're going to be left behind. Was yes, that the? Yes. Because if you're, you could be saved, but still left in the behind in the rapture. Was that the? Um. Yeah, te- I guess so. I mean, yeah, the left behind. Yeah, the, well, then the left behind series came out, and at the time. When those came out, I worked at Family Christian Stores, which was a highlight of my working career. Did you have a uniform? <laughs> yeah, I had a shirt and a name tag. I'm guessing like a polo. Yeah, burgundy polo. Like burgundy, not mauve. Yeah, it would be burgundy. Burgundy polo. And the Left Behind series came out, and part of my job was to organize the bookshelf with all of the different books by color and spine and lined up and all of that. But, <laughs> but that was like, that was a juggernaut. That was the one that Kirk Franklin no, not Kirk Franklin. <laughs> Wrong Kirk. Wrong Kirk. All my people say left Wrong behind. Kirk. No, uh, that's really funny. You're talking about the Kirk Cameron ones? No, the books. The Tim oh, LaHaye. Oh, so you're talking pre. You're wow. So this is early '90s, mid '90s. Okay, mid '90s. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that Dallas Jenkins' dad, Jerry Jenkins. So that's Dallas right. Jenkins, creator of the Chosen. Yeah, his dad. Dad co-wrote the Left Behind series with Tim LaHaye. Tim LaHaye, Jerry Jenkins. Can I tell you a little something about Tim LaHaye? This has literally nothing to do with the podcast, okay? So we may have to edit this out later. But Tim LaHaye's, the first time I became aware of his work was a book called The Act of Marriage. The Act of Marriage. Do you remember? You don't know this. (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) 
You do? The book? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you remember that it was Tim LaHaye that wrote it? Someone gave it to us for uh, as a wedding gift. <laughs> so this book for a 12-year-old, which is when it when I when it came out, like I, I don't know. I just remember seeing it in the living room. And by the way, now that I think about it, uh it was a paperback that was pretty worn in. So I don't know if that meant my mom. I, I promise it wasn't my dad reading it. But he gets really spicy yeah. in this book. Like it, and so for a 12-year-old. I'm reading like the sex chapters, learning things I don't need to know at yeah. 12. Yeah. And, you know, that later in life would come back going, I was, I forgot about that. Taking sex advice from Tim LaHaye, like that guy, the left behind guy. But, and he was probably a lovely human being. I don't know him at all. I think he's friends with Easley and some of these guys, but he just didn't look like the guy that I'd want to be taking sex advice from. But once I became a grown up, but I don't know that that's the guy. But anyway, so long before he's left behind, you know, he's, well, anyway, there's a <laughs> dog on it. We're broadcasting. So long before he was left behind, <laughs> he wrote The Act of Marriage, which sold like a kajillion books because it was, I mean, it was kind of like softcore Song of Solomon. I, I, and then, but then he goes into Left Behind. Oh, I'm dying over here. I'm, I am trying to be a professional and pull myself together. You ever seen those news, those news bloopers where the where the guys behind the desk are just have lost it completely? That is what's happening. If you're not watching this, I'm crying. Well, I, I for I don't even know why it matters other than. It it was fascinating to me that the guy that did that book is now left behind. Yeah, I mean guy. that's a, that's a quite a wide spectrum of expertise. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean he's explored many mysteries, right? Uh -huh. And so he's now exploring the mysteries of uh, the end times, and which at some point there's a, obviously the, the films were made, but yeah, that the thing about the Bible, prophetically speaking, is. Almost every prophecy can't be understood looking forward. It can only be understood looking backward, confirming. So, for instance, Daniel 8, 21, 100 years before Alexander the Great, he prophesies about this great army that's going to move swiftly from the east, a great leader from Greece. Like, I mean, just it, 100 years, it would be like us declaring some, I'm trying to think what nation, like, you know, that Switzerland is going to come roaring through. Like, nobody saw it coming, but 100 years later, he comes flying through. But for up until that moment in that 100 years, you wouldn't have known exactly what, who this fast-moving goat uh, from, from the West would be. Um, but now they, they know that. And so when it comes to conversations about this future world leader whose—the name Antichrist is kind of stuck. I guess the branding works pretty good for that. Uh, and it just leaves a lot of room for imagination. And when you, you know, start imagining things— um, you get books like Left Behind. Well, yeah, I mean, First John two eighteen is is the reference that we're um, bringing to light from Sunday's teaching. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. Now, interesting that it doesn't say the Antichrist; it just says mm -hmm. that Antichrist is coming. So now, many Antichrists have come. Yeah. So that's kind of the the hinge of the, the door mm -hmm. we're swinging today. Yeah, I mean, the early church was very aware of the, these prophetic understanding that somebody was coming. I think it's First Thessalonians 2, mm -hmm. Paul talks about the son of perdition, the, you know, 
like the man of lawlessness that, you know, there's phrases that are used that are, uh, and, and the reason we, they, they believed it, if you read the book of Revelation, it's, we've taught through it a couple years ago, but there's nothing new in Revelation. It's just literally a synthesis of the entire Old Testament canon of prophetic into one, you know, 21 chapter work of, uh, of prophecy. So they knew that there was an Antichrist coming. And I, I feel like maybe what Paul, what Paul, what John was driving toward was, hey, there is an Antichrist coming, but don't get so focused on that that you like you miss the own Antichrist in your in your own heart. Mm. And like that's kind of the the I've read this through quite a few times, obviously, but it's almost the feel of this passage in general. First John in general, Second John, Third John is. Guys, don't go you know astray. There, there were these guys were with yeah. us, and now they're not. Um, don't stop believing. There is an antichrist coming, but it's the antichrist in your own heart that you need to be the most aware of. Yeah, I mean the amount of times and we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The amount of times that he reminds that the church um, to to remain, to abide. The, mm-hmm. the word remain or abide is repeated probably the most times of yeah. any other word besides the word love in the first John. Yeah. And the 60 years earlier, right, when Jesus was still on the, on the earth, that was the language Jesus was using. So here yes. it is 60 years later, and John is still saying, no, remain, stay, abide. You know, there, there's different translations of mm-hmm. it, but it it's like a, hey, we're setting up camp here. We're, you know, we're not just running around. And so that, yeah, that's the promise then. And it's so befitting of us because, you know, the longer you walk with God, the more, you, you know, the temptations are to be tossed about with every wind of doctrine, right? The Bible calls it. And our nation, the longer it is walked with God, so to speak, is the the more we think we can do it on our own. The more, oh, I understand this more than I thought, you know, I know more, I know better, I, you know, the, the, the progress idea of it. And you end up leaving behind, not remaining, but running ahead. That's not something new that started the minute Jesus left the earth, but it is a hundred percent in our culture right now. I just felt like it was worth it and necessary to differentiate between uh, Antichrist, the coming world leader, and anti the spirit of Antichrist, which is already on the earth, like has been since Jesus. I don't know if we want to get into this. I mean, I guess this is the, this is the format in which we do get into these things. So. <clears throat> The ideology of Antichrist, like, do you, you've mentioned this a little bit before, a potential correlation between the Antichrist ideology and Islam. Yeah. Take us down that path. So Antichrist means in place of, opposed to Christ. It's like one word that means both. Yeah, and and the way it can mean both because just in place of doesn't necessarily mean against. But Jesus said, "You're either with me or you're against me." So the word antichrist means that, and the word Christ uh, is the word where we you know it comes from what uh, drawing from the word Mashiach in uh, Hebrew of the Messiah that's coming. So Christ, you know, it's not Jesus's last name; it's his uh, title, and so this is someone else claiming that title in place of, and that is. That's the history of Islam. Now, by the way, that's the history of secular progressivism. It, it, it's the history of Buddhism. But but Islam is – like that's literally the Quran is in place of Christ, we now have Muhammad. In place 
of Jehovah, we have Allah. In place of Isaac, we have Ishmael. Like we, it's all yeah. reversed. It's all in place of Christ. And ask yourself the question. This is 650 years after the ascension of Jesus when Muhammad climbs Mount Hira, which is near where Mecca is today. 650 years ago, the United States wasn't even a country, right? But some guy now has decided, I've got this brand new thing. The Bible was the best they understood, but now I've been, I've been given this divine knowledge, this prophetic thing, and it's called Islam. Very oversimplified, but that's the journey that it was on. And it is deceived many. Matthew 24 said, be, you know, beware, there are going to be many who come in my name claiming, right, that I am Messiah. And, you know, he's going to deceive many. And right now, by the estimates I've seen, there are two billion Muslims on the planet. Now, that's many. Like, that is an antichrist that has deceived many. And uh, even in our own shores now, you know, you, you have to separate Islam, the ideology, Islam, the religion. There are many, many uh, Arabs, Moroccans, whatever, that they don't want war. They want what you and I want, but they're wanting it in the, through the Quran. They're wanting it through Allah, and it always will end to war, always will end in division. There's a reason why, whether you're in Indonesia or you're in Syria, it just keeps coming back to that again. The human rights violations, the violence, the totalitarianism, that's all born from even, you know, any reading of Islam is supporting that. Interesting you mentioned human rights violations. There's this video that has been circulating uh, on Twitter this past week, like blew up. Yeah. Um, from Yuval Noah Harari. Yeah. So, by the way, so let's let's clarify then. So that's Islam. That's a, uh, a religion religion. This is a secular religion. They don't call it a religion. But this guy's a religious figure without yes. a god. Yes, secularism. I mean, if he if he could be the 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 pope of the secular uh, ideology, like they would they would lift him up as that. Like he's he's the at the forefront of the the thought process, the thought exercise of all things secular humanism is Yuval and has been for a while. Yeah, yeah, probably. Probably 15 years Yeah, he's been on the right hand um, of uh, Klaus Schwab at the WEF. Yep. Like he's, uh, he's viewed as a young thought leader um, and is definitely in the ear over there of, of all things progressive, all things techno, secular humanism. Yeah. And so anyways, this clip went around this past week about his thoughts regarding human rights. Now, this clip went wildfire a week ago, but it was actually recorded nine years ago. So keep that in mind when, you, when we watch this. Many, maybe most legal systems are based on this idea, this belief in human rights. But human rights are just like heaven and like God. It's just a fictional story that we've invented and spread around. It may be a very nice story, it may be a very attractive story, we want to believe it, but it's just a story. It's not a reality. It is not a biological reality. Just as jellyfish and woodpeckers and ostriches have no rights, homo sapiens have no rights also. Take a human, cut him open, look inside, you find their blood 
and you find the heart and lungs and kidneys, but you don't find there any rights. The only place you find rights is in the fictional stories that humans have invented and spread around. And the same thing is also true in the political field. States and nations are also, like human rights and like God and like heaven, they too are, are, are just stories. A mountain is a reality. You can see it, you can touch it, you can even smell it. But Israel or the United States, they are just stories, very powerful stories, stories we might want to believe very much, but still they are just stories. You can't really see the United States. You cannot touch it. You cannot smell it. That is very anti-Christ. <laughs> it, it's the kind of thing that when you hear him say it out loud, you're like, wait a minute. There are no human rights. Uh, we are no different than a snail. We're like, now, that's what I said on Sunday, by the way. This would have been a great video to have, like, don't listen to me. Listen to, listen to this guy. B because let's say this way, maybe. I'm, you've, you've almost left me speechless. Um, when we talk about human rights in general and the idea that secular humanism does not support that, he's just saying that. Like, he's actually being intellectually honest. So on the one hand, I kind of respect the guy. Because it's an intellectually honest, you know, someone like Bill Maher, like, well, but we can still have, you know, God and still have human rights. But, but the idea is based on what? Now, he's calling it a fictional story. But think about how horrifying that is because it's true that that is antichrist, that if, if God is not our creator, that we are our own creator, we are our own gods, then we get to decide who lives and dies. You know, it's one of the things that I, I've heard someone say before that uh, they've, they've got a huge problem with the God of the Old Testament because, you know, he took innocent lives. And that same person was very, very adamant that abortion was a human, right? And I can't remember which theologian it was, but it was like, so, so you're basically saying you're upset with God deciding who lives and dies, but you're okay if you're God and you decide who lives and dies. Is that what you're saying? And that's what he's saying, is that I get to decide who lives and dies because um, that's really what needs to be terrifying to us is who gets to make that call? Who gets to decide? Well, and if I could go so far to say as, you know, he's a part of the WEF, WEF Council. Right. And for right. those who don't know, what is that? The World Economic Forum, who is this self-appointed, seemingly, or, self organization yeah. based out of Switzerland that— advises nation states on how to conduct policy, how to conduct um, medical needs and assistance um, in, in a global fashion right? across the board. It is not a far stretch to say that they decided who would live and die four years ago. They were making decisions. They were making policy that was deciding who or who should not have medical freedoms. It is not a far stretch that they would decide that the least of these or that the privileged would receive medical care or would be locked up in a sense of, you know, the lockdowns. Yeah. Um, 
they all those decisions came from the WEF and the WHO, the WHO. Yeah. That was like a trial run. And in that situation, you know, they didn't bring together normal people from every walk of life to make a decision to hear from them. They literally flew in in their private jets, paid their carbon emission taxes or whatever bull crap that they do to make themselves feel better. And they're the ones that get to decide. Now, keeping in line with their religion, survival of the fittest, the strong eat the weak. That's right. That's just what happened. Like, that's literally the logical conclusion of it. Like, he is not violating his religion by saying this stuff out loud. And he's not just some little knucklehead. Like, this is a guy that's influential in the World Economic Forum. Like, people are listening to him. Like, I don't know how many views uh, this has. And I would hope most of them, especially on the second round of this, are views from people that are just shocked and gobsmacked like we are. But when you come to the upper echelons, to the elite in these nations, this, this fits the theology, this fits the religion, this is anti-Christ, that we are gods. And so he goes on to talk about how, how much we are like gods <laughs> or how we will be gods. We will be gods. Can wow. we play this, this second clip, guys? We go ahead and push play on this, uh, this other one. Within, say, 200 years... Uh, to give a, a conservative estimate, there won't be homo sapiens on, on planet Earth. 200 years. 200 years, and I think this is a conservative estimate. Wow. Uh, I, maybe even 100 years. It's not that we'll destroy ourselves in some calamity. Much more likely, we will use advanced technology, biotechnology, nanotechnology, direct brain-computer interfaces to upgrade homo sapiens into different kinds of beings, beings which are different from us much more than we are different from Neanderthals, beings which will have different bodies, different minds, different brains. I mean, the big products of the coming century will not be shoes or clothes or cars or weapons. The big product of the 21st century are going to be bodies and minds. So I think we are heading to, towards the upgrading of Homo sapiens into gods. We'll replace natural selection by intelligent design. You have, especially in the US, this big argument between natural selection and intelligent design. And the funny thing is, the ironic thing is, that the people who believe in natural selection, I think they're obviously right about the past. But the people who believe in intelligent design, they are right about the future. Mm. The future of life belongs to intelligent design, but the designers, the intelligent designers, will not be some gods above the clouds. We are going to be mm. the intelligent designers of the future of life. You know, the last time that was said, well, this was the first time this was ever said, was Isaiah 14, verse 14. When Satan said, I will uh, rise and I will be like him. Yeah, that's true. Right? Ezekiel, it was with, because of the pride in his heart at his own beauty and superiority that he could rise and be like God. Like that's the sin. It, look, it's the sin from the, from the Garden of Eden, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a tree that, was, that symbolized, I'm now deciding what is right and wrong. I now decide what is good and evil. I am you know, like God. That's why if your, if your cause 
the, the key phrases and call lines are pride and equality, like you didn't come up with that. That was a rebellion that started in heaven uh, infinitely timed ago. It's just bleeding over into humanity. Listen to what Daniel 8 describes as uh, the, the personality of Antichrist. So I'm not saying Yuval Harari is Antichrist. I'd be super disappointed, candidly, if he is. I thought he'd be a lot better looking. <laughs> but this is what he says. He will, dis, uh, he will cause deceit to prosper, which think about what's happening in our media right now. What, what makes money for the news? Not truth, but uh, drama, emotion, and anger. So deceit is prospering, not truth. And he will consider himself superior. Like, we know better than you do. We're smart. Let us handle this for you. And, and when they feel secure, the King James Version says, he will conquer with peace. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take a stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed and not by human power. That's speaking of the actual Antichrist figure coming someday. So, like, you hear all this stuff happening. It's like... I've been around a while, and I've heard some people say some nutty things, you know, and you have as well. But some of the stuff they've said out loud in the last just three years, last year, was the stuff they normally never used to say that stuff out loud. The idea of a human rights, we don't have human rights, and he says it with a straight face, and that's not a headline of every newspaper in the world, shows that deceit is prospering. You know, it's funny, you you said that, Yuval Harari may not be the Antichrist, but it's, if you go down a rabbit hole, rabbit hole, there's people that think that he might be. <laughs> right. Well, he's got the widow's peak. I mean, I guess that could be, you know, like the, you know, if you're looking for a Dr. Evil, you got to have a widow's peak with the uh, hairline. His, in one of the one of the claims is the fact that his middle name is Noah. And so <laughs> when it says in the days of Noah, <laughs> which obviously that's way out of context. <laughs> and I will say, maybe it's worth saying this now. Maybe. There's a passage, I think in Revelation 4, but it talks about those who claim to be Jews but are not, but they are of the synagogue of Satan. Uh, Novel Noah Harari is Jewish, okay? Uh, Professor um, at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Yeah. So there are those in Israel, those, there are Jews in general, right? Jewish DNA who would claim to be Jews when it comes to the religion of Ju you know, Judaism, and they're not the same thing. And those are the guys that are of the synagogue of Satan. And so when you talk about even what we're experiencing right now in modern Israel, is modern Israel, quote unquote, the one that the Bible spoke of? And, the, and, and some people say no. And the reason they say no is they're looking at the, you know, the, the Knesset. They're looking at the, the government, the idea, whatever. What, that, those, some of those policies, they're looking at that as opposed to the fact that there are now millions of Jewish DNA people living in a land called Israel that was prophetically called out thousands of years ago that exists there today. It's not my job. I don't know which ones are the, are, are the synagogue of Satan ones and which ones aren't. But Jesus says we, get to, we don't have to worry about that, the wheat and the tares. I'll take care of that. You guys go do your job. And, um, but I think we can know that one. Like that one feels like a tear to me. Like that didn't feel like that's going to go uh, on, a, on a Jesus sandwich, man. That's... That's demonic. And that was, so one was 10 years ago. So it's not like this is some brand new idea that he's cooked up. Like this has been going on. So these. Yeah. I mean, think about him saying the fact that there's no human rights nine years ago. Oh. And then how far that that bar has moved, 
how far the needle has moved on that over the past nine years. So the amount of control that WEF and associated organizations have and the decisions they've made, perhaps with that sentiment in mind, is that's the scary part. You know, and he talks about being like gods and how the the future product is um, not, you know, devices per se, but but bodies are going to be the product. You yeah. Know, just this week, uh, Elon Musk's organization or company, um, Neuralink, which we've talked about in the past. I mean, he's, he's been on this journey the past maybe four years. I think I think Neuralink launched about three or four years ago. The goal of implanting a chip into a human brain that can control areas of their own body and a third-party device externally just by thinking, just by using their mind. And that first uh, human test happened this week. Over the past – well, the first iteration was they installed the chip into pigs – I don't know if you've seen this video when they first launched. Yeah. They installed this chip into pigs and they had them doing various tests, um, you know, walking on treadmills and stopping and starting and those kinds of things just by the, 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 the pig thinking about it. And then they moved to, um, I believe, chimpanzees of some sort, monkeys, playing more complex games, video games, right. and then being rewarded with a treat. And it was... It worked very well. Like they were playing these games not with their hands, but with their their eyes and their mind. Like the game, I think they, I think that was the game Pong, with pigs. No, with the chimpanzees. Oh, the, the chimps. We moved to chimps. I missed that one. Yeah, the second sure iteration like, was with chimpanzees. Pig Pong. It was just too easy. There Sorry. you go. Yeah, but yeah, they were playing that old game, Atari game Pong. Uh, a chimpanzee was with his mind, not using controller, nothing, just by watching the screen. He was moving the paddle. And successful. Did they not see Planet of the Apes? <laughs> this is not a good idea. That, that movie's been made a hundred times and it never ended well. And so this week, uh, it was installed into a, a human. Um, and th- with the goal in mind initially is th- – the, the project's called tel- uh, telepathy. And the goal is that this particular chip in the human brain will allow someone to use their phone, use their cell phone um, – and unlock it or enter in their passcode, make a phone call, all just to, all just by thinking about it. Th- wireless, in a sense, like wow. no no external device, like not wow. using your your appendages, but just by thinking about it. And so it's com- it's very, very, very next level, very futuristic. But this is this 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 biotech era has reached another level, and they are not slowing down. In fact, they're doubling down on it. They believe that the combination of technology yep. and biology will will allow us to be um, Im- immortal. The Antichrist spirit, right, with Islam, you know, it's about gaining immortality, gaining eternity, gaining, you know, eternal life, earning it. Secular humanism is literally the same thing. I'm earning eternal life. I got to find a, you know, there's no savior coming. I'm the savior. We're saving ourselves. And there's going to be a Messiah of their own that's going to come with the technology to save the 
the day, like literally Silicon Valley, and we've talked about this many times, but the amount of money being invested in Silicon Valley by billionaires specifically on just extending life, you know, eternal life is a goal that secular humanists are aspiring to. And if you're going to be on this planet forever and everybody's here forever, then obviously then we can't, we have to have population control. It's the only thing that will allow for this. Because if no one's ever going to die and we just keep, you know, people keep being born, like no wonder that they're so focused on population control with it, you know, assuming they all can survive their own in their, uh, in their bunkers in Kansas or wherever, you know, as they write out the, the apocalypse that they bring on themselves. But when you go back to just the idea of what Antichrist means, and it's why secular humanism fails the test as well, because it doesn't save us. It doesn't make us better. You know, the, it, I don't know. The technology, maybe it can help me remember where my car keys are. Maybe it can make us physically stronger. Can, but it doesn't fix the sin problems in our, in our hearts. It's, it's, you know, you, you hear Harari say, if you cut open a human, you know, all you find is blood and, you know, because he's he's a secular, so he doesn't believe there's anything other than just beating hearts and neurons and synapses, which is why if that's all it is, we're just building a new computer. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the actual definition of transhumanism. That, yeah, that would transition from a human to something greater. Yeah, and I continue. I I could be wrong, but I continue to believe that they will always fail in that because the one thing that cannot be created in a lab is a soul. It's just not. The light of life, the pneuma of God, you know, it's, that's not something that can be measured. They've tried. They, you know, it's why so many neuroscientists and neurosurgeons have come to faith, you know, over the last few decades because eventually you're looking at that. I can't just, I don't understand what, what it is that, it, that makes you you that isn't beyond neurons and synapses and electricity in your brain. That they can't create. Uh, they can create ticker tapes. It's what, you know, obviously the AI idea of trying to create uh, intelligent, uh, I, I don't know, would they call it life? Do they call AI intelligent life? They don't do that. No. At least not out loud, I bet. Well, that's the whole debate, right? Is it conscience? Is, is it sentient? Yeah. And it's the fact that it's debatable. Yeah, right. Is is the scary part. That they, they don't know. Yeah. They're, and and there's a there's a, so they've they're trying to create this central board, um, ad, like advisory board around all things AI that can um, govern, create governance, yeah. create um, <laughs> guidelines around the progression of AI development. And there's been people on that board over the past twelve months that have resigned because of out of fear of what is happening, of what it could be what it could turn into. So you think of this idea of AI in general and these these um, these model these language models that are being created combined with biotechnology implanted into your body um all that starting to merge not not like this isn't something that's 20 years from now or a decade from now like this is happening right now and it's accelerating at a pace that they can't even they can't even control. Yeah. The possibilities, the possibilities are endless, and, and quite frankly, they're probably way further along than than what they're even sharing. You know, like whatever the Department of Defense and DARPA, and you know whatever access they have to to a lot of these things that's not publicly known or shared. Yeah. 
um, all these black project, black budget projects, you know, it, it's, there's, it's probably way farther than we could ever possibly imagine already. And when you combine, I mean, think about the history of like nuclear technology. You know, we develop a bomb here in the United States, but it, it was just a few years before the Soviet Union, before China, before North Korea. The, the tech, the genie's out of the bottle with AI. And you know, obviously we saw from the Wuhan lab that, you know, you can't trust the technologists in any area, you know, especially if there's no human rights. So when they're, you know, doing gain of function research and then just calling it something else, like we're dumb, you know, they had to do it in China because technically they knew the PR would be terrible here. But we don't know what the, the technologists in China are doing or uh, anywhere in Asia. I, when I was 2000, 2000 was when we started the headhunting firm. I don't, I don't know if I ever talked about this on the podcast. I probably have. Uh, I, I left William Morris, um, thought uh, I, being a headhunter in a high-tech space was exactly the same kind of job as being an artist agent, which is I'm selling somebody who thinks they're more than they're worth more than they are than someone who thinks they're worth less than they are. It's like, and, but I get paid. But well, here's the point of me saying that, and there's, this is just 100% true. The guys that we were looking for were all from Asia, from China, from India. B their math skills were unparalleled in coding. They would work and work and work, and they had a huge work ethic. And I remember thinking in 2000 going, I've been doing this a while. We've hired hundreds of people. Two of them have been white Americans. And by the way, they've all been in the, the pipeline. None of them could have kept up. Now, obviously, there are, there are in, you know, especially 23 years later, there's American coders and all that. But at the core of Asia, their commitment to education yeah. and not woke indoctrination has created an army of computer engineers that are far beyond much of what we have going on in America, the, you know, the hackers, all that stuff, th those are coming from uh, Eastern Bloc Europe. They're coming from Asia, right? So the technology exists, and then the question becomes the morality around the technology. And if you go back to Yural Harari, he says there's no human rights, so it doesn't really matter, right, if a bunch of people don't make it to the next round of humanity because we're going to create a whole new race. We, I mean, dude, that should give us all chills. We are the intelligent designer. We are gods that's that's about as demonic as it gets like straight up 100 percent pit of hell i will be like god satan himself pride beauty i mean it's amazing yeah so there's the ideology of antichrist the the, the muslim ideology transhumanism secular humanism ideology is all in this category of antichrist the person of antichrist the Antichrist. Do you believe that the Antichrist is alive today? If he is a person, yes. Where is he? There's so many jokes because he, he, he got Epstein or something, but no. Uh. I, 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 <laughs> Where I, is he? We are not going to know. Yeah. There are some clues in scripture that point that maybe he'll be an Edomite like uh, Hitler. Uh, no, nobody knows. But you believe he's alive somewhere, like the, he's he's existing currently. Yeah. yeah, the the time and and look, everybody, every generation. I know, right? I know, I know. Save right? your breath. John said we're in the last days in yeah. Second John, but a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. 
So we are 2,000 years since Jesus' ascension. We are now in the 3,000th year. We are in the third day. Amazing things happen on the third day. That's one of the stories of Scripture. And candidly, if he doesn't return, like, it's like the— it's, it's almost when it talks about the, the time of the Gentiles is full, which means that at some point, you know, the last person to receive Jesus receives Jesus and, and whatever, he, he returns. But there's this idea, though, that of, the, of this time of the Gentiles being full that I, I've seen it and thinking, in other words, like, okay, we can't go anywhere else. We're literally now spilling out the sides. We ha- it has to be now because we'll destroy ourselves if, if he doesn't return. And that's where we are as a world right now. That sounds nihilistic. And without Christ, I confess that is a hundred percent nihilism. And without Christ, you should be a nihilist. Uh, any hope that you have outside of Christ right now is not based in any, uh, based in any fact, certainly not based in reality. The, the amount of moving parts in our world right now. Yeah. Wow. Well, and the fact that you can cross-reference most of them with the Bible, maybe, you know, Maybe maybe we're closer than we think. So if that's the case, and he's a human, which I think he is. I mean, there's no reason to believe he's not. Then, then yeah, he would be alive right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's—it's always kind of a fun thought exercise, right? It's just to talk through these things. But there is one, there is one thought that's that the Antichrist could be an AI-generated being of mm-hmm. some sort that takes on the appearance of— a person or a political figure that has control that can make decisions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that feels a little bit of a stretch, but who knows? I mean, who knows with technology as, as fast as it's progressing, Mm -hmm. it could be like everything with deep fakes in videos. Like it could look like a person and we not know that it's actually a digital representation or holographic or whatever it is. Like we just, we just don't know. Yeah. The thing that keeps me coming back to it, being a human, is throughout history, that has been the case. In fact, many of the prophecies, even the ones I just talked about, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 38, have this double meaning. They're talking about a specific king, like the king of Tyre, or, you know, and it's also speaking about this future world leader. But what it's really speaking of is the demonic force that inhabits both of them, so to speak. And so I don't have any reason to believe that a demonic force could inhabit technology uh, as in the same way that they could mm. inhabit a human. That makes sense. And so if this is Satan himself possessing somebody, not just one of his, uh, his henchmen, uh, then the fact of the matter is um, it's probably a person and it's going to be a person that will inspire, will... It's going to be a person that literally the world will think. I think. I think it's Revelation. One of the passages, prophecy speaks about a time of unwalled villages. Like the first three and a half years, he's going to broker a world peace that the whole world will be like, "Oh, thank God, this is finally our guy." Like we can take a breath. Including, I might add, the Jewish people will buy into this. Um, it's very specific that that's going to happen, and then they're going to be betrayed, and uh, the world. So I. I yeah, alive today. And the thing that I've was confused by over the years was 
he's like this Dr. Evil character or whatever, but so everybody would just see it coming a mile away, right? Sure. But then you watch this and think, this is not, you know, Yuval Harari saying there are no human rights, and again, not a schlup, not a small, I mean, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio has probably had him on his jet, like these guys, he is not a schlup saying this stuff out loud. The fact that we're not all freaking out right now, of course he makes, he makes deceit prosper. So yeah. it, it, whatever is going to be believed and bought into is going to be deceitful, lying, and I think to those of us who are in Christ, 100% obvious, and the rest of the world will be blinded. In fact, I think it's Second Thessalonians where actually God says that you, you put it off, you put it off, and so I sent them a delusion. So it's delusion that they're going to believe, and apparently already are believing. Delusion everywhere. <laughs> I was going to say, right? yeah, this, this spirit of delusion is... Uh, such a force. Like, it seems unstoppable right, right now. The, everyone, not everyone, so many people are delusional. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, things that are so so obvious. We've talked about gender issues, you know, men competing in women's sports. I mean, that is so obvious. Like, it's so dumb that it's delusional. And the piece that I've taken from it, and you know, you've been around me long enough, like, there are many things that drive me crazy, right? Be five minutes late, it drives me crazy. But delusion drives me nuts. Like when something is not true, being purported is true. And I know it drives everybody crazy, but for whatever reason, that just yeah. punches me right in my spiritual gift. Like, <laughs> that's not true. Like I want to throw the TV through the window. But what I've been resting in, coming back to rest in, especially during the last three weeks in prayer and in fasting, is that, like he said, this was going to happen. This is part of a birth process that's happening to us on this earth. So the stuff that's maddening, you know, I can let it make me mad or I can let it go, oh, well, oh no, but that's what he said, delusion. There's going to be a delusion. And the God sent the delusion, right? He said he's going to, you know, prosper with deceit. So that he said that was going to happen. So I can rest in saying God not only isn't surprised, isn't uh, in the past somewhere, He's in the present, and he's already gone forward into the future and meeting us there in that future so we can take peace. And in a weird way, very shallow maybe, I thought this was going to be harder. Like when you, you know what I mean? Like we come, oh, it's going to be easy to buy into the deceit. Like this is going to be so easy for the, us to, so I have to be very vigilant. I have to be very careful because I don't right. want to fall into it. Like a man can't have a baby. That's not hard. Like, this is so easy. A woman does not have a penis. Is a, That's not a crazy statement. My point is, is that the, this is actually a whole lot easier. So I'm like, Oof, in that case, this will be easy to spot the deception. It's like whatever you see somebody, what does the Bible say? Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. This guy is saying that a human is no different than a snail. That's evil. Woe to that dude. Woe, dude. Yes, true. But also, I feel like four years ago, the idea of deception being deceived or not deceived was a very thin line. True. Across humanity. But don't you think... Regarding all things COVID. Yeah. Don't you think that because of that, that whatever's coming next, there's still going to be people buying into it. But I, I don't think it will be as lonely as the last one. <laughs> I, I want to believe that. I want to, but man, it's... I, I, I don't know. This this mass psychosis yeah. that has happened. It's like people have digging their heels in or doubling down. I I, I don't know. I, 
the, this next wave of whatever yeah. comes through. I would like to think that, yes, people are a little more awake. I hope so. I hope I'm not naive. I just, I've yet to get like, you know, and nobody, nobody owes me an apology, whatever. But I haven't had any of my friends that like ditched me, pastor friends. Like none of them have said, man, bro, you were right. I'm sorry. None of them? Maybe no. even like just. No. But what I have heard from a couple, which is maybe a different version of it. Okay. Man, no, no, it's not a different version because they don't acknowledge it. But I've heard a couple say, and these are like mega church pastor guys going, I'll never do that again. I, the time our people needed us the most, we told them don't, don't come here and we'll never do that again. And this is a pastor that sat on his stage with a mask in his hand about a year after COVID, whatever's rolling out, saying, if you're not wearing a mask, you're standing between Jesus and that person who is not coming to church because you're not wearing a mask. You should wear a mask or you're, someone's not going to get saved. That, wow. that pastor said, I made a mistake. I'll never do that again. And then he retired. So I guess, I don't know. You know I, but I do think that, that there is a, back then there were guys and girls that, it was, I mean, it's new. I, I, have, I have so much empathy for those in those first few months. But it's four years later. So theoretically, there are those who trusted their doctor, did the trust the science, all that stuff that are suspicious. I mean, think of, okay. Joe Rogan, for instance, if you listen to his uh, progress from the beginning of March 2020, when he would still say, oh, yeah, but still wear a mask. I know those things work. Like, he's, he's just trying to fall in line with what was being said. And then you hear him over time disregard all of that. Like, everything he's saying today. So he, he grew with it. He learned. So many others did. There's at least voices out there that weren't there before. There's access for those voices that weren't there before. I just hope that you're wrong about that. I don't know. I, well, won't you think – I, I, I kind of think it will be a different – perhaps a different topic, one of which could be right now, which is creeping up in a lot of church circles, is what's happening at the border. Yeah. Like it's a new issue that's creating division. Yeah. Yeah, the issue <laughs> – Loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor. Refugees. Yeah. What would Jesus do? Yeah. That's, that is creating a major wedge amongst many churches right now. And there's pastors fighting online about it. Are there? Oh, it's, yes. You know, I have such a weird view on it because obviously I've spent so much time on the other side. So you would think I would be the bleeding heart that just says open the, open the gates, right? And I also am because I've been doing that so long, I know that we will run out of money before the world runs out of need. We've learned that as a church. Everybody that I said yes to in those early days in Haiti meant saying no to somebody else. And still to this day, even with hundreds and hundreds of kids, there are thousands more. And I, we don't have enough money. And when it comes to what's happening at our border right now, this ideology is taken over where humanity needs to be and getting into these nations to be able to tell those young people, look, don't get on a boat. Like I get emails often because they, all they hear is like the headlines from a, a Biden speech going, Oh, I, I just got to get to America. And all, all my friend Darren has to do is sponsor me. Not that easy, not even kind of that easy, but that's what they've heard. 
that's what they want. And so they'll risk their family's lives and everything for it. And so I, I think this, that uh, the, when you come to the, to the border issue, this is a thus saith the Darren, and you probably have maybe similar, I don't know, but loving our neighbor here is the, 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 where it comes down like COVID was, they were saying to do this, we have to do this to save lives. But by doing this to save these lives, we were costing people's lives someplace else. So it wasn't saving lives. It was exchanging lives. And until we get some kind of messaging together, right, that, that is clear, that it's not sending thousands and thousands of people that are dying along the way, that are being abused, that are being trafficked, and we're not saving lives. We're exchanging lives. And politically speaking, there doesn't seem to be room for that. I, I didn't realize that there was that much. I, I guess it makes sense that there would be conflict amongst pastors. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would certainly wonder on both sides of those issues what they're actually doing to help right. <laughs> right. the immigrants. Because there's no question that the, the, as, a, as a government policy, what, what Abbott did from Texas forced the issue in a way that would not have been forced any other way. Because it's so easy for Eric Adams, right, in New York, or Gavin Newsom in, in California to, to judge, you know, Arizona and Texas. And, but when they're now, their problems, I mean, our, our friends were in town from New York this week, and they were saying, we don't go out at night anymore because it's, it's just unsafe right now. It's like, and not that all, uh, everybody that came here, immigrants are, are, are bad people. But look, if you're hungry, the most dangerous person on the planet is a father with hungry children. Mm. A hungry father with hungry children is a dangerous person. And... You throw them into that mix without any plan with it. Yeah. You know, it's, it is a defining issue of our time. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I bring it up is, is just another example of division. Yeah. Amongst not only the church, but in the country and division across the world, which is going to, at some point, as this continues to elevate worldwide conflict of some sort, obviously major conflict happening between the United States and Iran this week. I have not had a chance to to see what our response was regarding that over the past 24 hours. But, you know, there's bombs flying everywhere. And so at some point, it's going to reach a level where someone stepping forward to bring world peace is going to, uh, to be a front headline story. Right. No question. You know, the if, if you were to just whiteboard out the world right now, uh, I was... I can't remember who it was that was talking about the world is actually better than it was. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what world are you talking about? And, and generally speaking, they'll use these uh, numbers that, you know, more people died in World War II than World War I, whatever. And, and that's accurate. But what it does not portend is that the human nature hasn't changed. And so you mark like just China, South China Sea, that is, that is its own tinderbox, right, of that's right. potential. Pakistan and in, in India, there's still a hot, hot spot there that is, I mean, they're technically standing at war every day between India and Pakistan. You move into Russia, Ukraine, uh, but you can't do that without dipping down into Syria and uh, Iran, Iraq. And, they, you know, there's still, you know, on the one hand, you've got the Ottomans who, you know, want to get rid of the Kurds in Iraq and you've got the Kurds who want to get rid of the Syria. I mean, it's just... We haven't even crossed the Atlantic Ocean yet. Like, we're, there's just that alone. You, you get into Ecuador, get into Argentina, like the, our own country. There are so many moving parts like never before that someone 
rising up and say, I've got the solution to the world's problems. There's never been a riper time. And obviously that's what World Economic Forum wants is to be that entity because we're smart enough, we're superior to, to make this happen. I, you know, and, and whoever that is, whatever leader that becomes, we do know this, that there's a, a revelation talks about that there's a religion attached to it. That at the very beginning, the you know the beast and the prophet and the the the, uh, the woman rides the beast, right? And it's speaking of the antichrist and a religion in a partnership. And at some point, the beast throws off the religion, and you know it it sure seems like that it would be Islamic religion would be the theocracy that they put in place with antichrist. One of the things I came across here, and I think this might help give a little clarity. Um, to, you know, we got all of these words that we're throwing around, and it may be helpful to give some definitions to some of this. So obviously we have Satan and the devil, Antichrist, the false prophet. For many, those all kind of lump together into one thing. It's like, okay, what's the difference and who's what, where, like what? Yeah. How does, how does this make sense? Yeah, that's good. Break that down for us. Well, I mean, one example that I've seen, and you you mentioned that maybe— um, that perhaps Chuck Missler uh, gave uh, an explanation for this that's compelling. So obviously you have the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. Yep. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's this idea that this Antichrist spirit per se, or the opposite of, in place of, will be a false trinity, the false trinity of Satan, where Lucifer, Satan, devil, the dragon, all interchangeable mm-hmm. as the God, and that the the um, antithesis of God the Son would be then the Antichrist, and then the opposite of the Holy Spirit would be the false prophet. Yeah. And those three things would make up this false trinity of Satan. Yeah. I've never really heard that before. I've never really read about that being a, um, a parallel version of the trinity and the powers that be, and that's very compelling. Yeah. Everything's opposite. Yeah. It's one of the greatest red flags you can get, right? When someone calls good evil or evil good, it's they're calling the opposite of what the Bible calls it. It's like, you know, I'm old enough to remember that when pride was a sin. Um, I'm old enough to remember when a rainbow meant God's promise. Like anytime an ideology takes something from Scripture and reverses it for to the opposite of that, then this is the opposite, right? We don't need... God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have our own unholy trinity. And so, yeah, it's just to, to clarify, too, like the Antichrist and the false prophet are two separate people. Yeah, that's, yes. Yeah. People. Yeah, so that's the, the the religion part, right, which is the idea that there would be a, a religion, a theocracy. And is Islam in general, by the way, they know nothing of a, of a, of a government that does not, that is not theocratic. That is Islam. It's not Christian nationalism; is Islamic nationalism, and that they would rule with you know. And so, when you hear words like caliphate, for instance, that's just a word that they use, but it's setting up a one-world government that is the, ruled by uh, by ISIS, by Boko Haram, but but by Allah is ultimately what they're looking for in the radical corners of Islam. So, it, it makes sense to me that whoever it is would have to be making peace with Islam and not with Christianity. Interesting. So it makes sense that the false religion, the false prophet, would be wearing a turban. Mm. 
and not a, a Catholic hat. There's, there, there was many cases for many years of guys that were, you had to stretch it, but made the Catholic church that, because it was the only one world religion that they knew of that was yeah. powerful enough. And so, um, you know, and they talk about, you know, the, the blood of the saints on her hands and the millions of, and yes, the, the Catholic church has, has had a storied uh, history for sure. But as far as globally powerful right now, you know, Islam is in a place to, to really partner up. So think about a godless man like an antichrist and a religious thing, and you can then think, okay, Russia, China, you know, those those are godless nations working alongside theocratic nations to try to get their best, to get their world the way they want it. That's what we're seeing right now. Secular, because think about like China, they've got, by some estimates, 2 million Uyghur Muslims in re-education camps. They are not pro-Islam. But they're using their technology to, with this uneasy alliance with yeah. with Islamic nations, to try to further their own good. And eventually, they're going to find out what whether you're President Obama or President Putin, that uh, the Ayatollah, the, the Islamic Caliphate, they're not uh, good faith negotiators when it comes to what they want versus what the secular guy wants. We covered a lot of ground. There's a, there's a that lot. Was of, a lot, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was a. Uh, I'm hungry. That was a train ride. Um, you finished up First uh, John chapter two. Jumping into First John chapter three this week. Um, the first part of this chapter starts to talk about lawlessness. Yeah. Um, you want to give us a little. Yeah, tidbit? I mean, lawlessness again. One of the names for Antichrist is the lawless one. The yeah. Man of lawlessness. Uh, yeah. The so sort of a thirty thousand foot view of where we're going is Paul was saying, John, Paul, John spent too much time in the epistles of Paul. Mm -hmm. um, John is saying to the people that have stayed, there have been people that were with us, they're not with us anymore. Uh, and so it sort of begs the question, how do we know then that we're not one of those? How do we know what are the, what's going to be the sign that we are not deceived? And, and then he sort of lists out sort of the signs. One of them, by the way, is if uh, chapter, I think it's verse 16, 17, 18. If you see your brother in need and you have means and you don't help him, then you are not one of us. So he's, he's saying that these are this, uh, not the red flags, but the green flags of being a Christian. This is how you know that you have a relationship with him. If, good. if what you're doing with your life, it's not, it's back to James. It's not love. Uh, it's not uh, works or faith. It's faith that works, right? Yeah. And that's what he's, it's love in Action and love and action, by the way, does not mean lawlessness. It means lawfulness. It's good. Thank you. Well, we are so uh, thankful that you join us each and every week, um, whether it's on audio or now on YouTube. If you are listening to this and you haven't checked it out on YouTube yet, go ahead and hit that subscribe button at youtube.com. Go ahead and search Conduit Church. You'll find us there. Any questions that you would have about the church, conduitchurch.com and or conduitmission.org. We'll see you next week.